When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I'm talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed worldwide, according to Indeed data. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast with myself, Mark Crossford, Lou Stagner, and as always, Scott Fawcett. We're talking today testing how you can work out maybe your variance of shot pattern. It'll bleed a little bit more into as well, I think, custom fitting ideas, some really good, useful information that you could maybe use with your coaches, with your home launch monitors, and maybe even when you go to your next fit talking how many shots what kind of patterns you should be hitting these shots in to get the best test you can to make sure you know you're practicing as well as you can and maybe getting the best equipment should be a fun one so lou this is based on a question i think from twitter can do you want to kick us off with the question that you got sure um let me find it here this is from a combination question from joshua pamplin and wheat bix golfer and Joshua asks, how many shots per club would be decent enough to base your shot patterns on? I have to pay per hour to use a simmer track man, so never know a worthwhile sample size to aim for. And then Wheatbix follows up with that and says, how, how many can you do in a row in that situation before you need to take a timeout and swap clubs so you can get a realistic assessment of your pattern and dispersion without the block effect making it look better than it actually is? That's a really good question. So typically my, my knee-jerk response to that is a minimum of about 30. But there's so many variables that go into this. Um, and everyone's go going to immediately go to, yeah, but what about the lie, uphill, downhill, side hill? What about wind? All of those things have an impact. Uh, but sort of the minimum you would want to aim for is 30. And if we're talking about you know, practicing, that's very different than talking about fitting. So if I'm just practicing every day and, and I'm keeping track of my results every day, which is something that, you know, that I do, I have a launch monitor at home, uh, I have a SkyTrack and, and I keep track of, of my performances. And so I can get a general idea because I'm kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And I can see what my dispersion looks like with each club because I have so many shots of it and I'm doing it day after day after day. You know, and, and Wheatbix asks the question, how many can you do in a row? Um, I generally would say if you're doing, and this is Mark, where you're going to jump in on the fitting part, you know, if you're doing something around fitting, um, boy, trying to do 30 or 40 in a row and, and, and compare that to 30 or 40 in a row from another club, but that, that gets pretty challenging. Um, and if you're just talking about your general overall performance, 
I would not recommend that be a one-time activity. And then you say, I understand my dispersion. I would say that should be something that you do on an ongoing basis. Um, and you can continue to see and add to you know, your sample there. And you can continue to see how you ebb and flow over time. And if you're getting better or getting worse. So that's kind of my, my quick answer to that, Mark. Um, what yeah. Thoughts well, I mean, so I think you make some good points. I mean, if we tie it between, cause it's two principles, really. One is you're talking about trying to find your variants of shot pattern to take to the course as a skill, isn't it? So you're hitting your 30 shots a day. I think you sent me 64 shots the other day with a nine iron, for instance, um for your pattern of shots with the nine iron which i sent you mine back of 18 and we i think we can see you need to get a little bit straighter <laughs> <laughs> yes it was very discouraging to see your shot pattern compared to uh, the pattern yeah absolutely um and then compared to if you're trying a driver to get fit and i, I i'll say this now because i've been doing a lot of content on this when it comes to i fitting i'm such a Oh, I can. I could put my foot in my mouth in this podcast like twenty times. Go for over. it. Do, do you think most fitting is rubbish? Well, if you start listening to Lou about saying thirty shots for variants of patterns, you now when you start looking like I have of doing testing over so many years and answering questions of people who question the data that I present. So I, you know, I hit six shots. That's not enough shots. I hit two hundred shots. Oh, uh, it still doesn't show this, that, and the other. I just think if you actually look at fittings. From Lou's standpoint, someone who's not selling any clubs and who's, who's specializing in analytics, you're going to look at what happens in fittings and go, they're not doing anything. Um, you can't hit 30 drives with one club and 30 with another, which is what Lou is saying is the minimum 60 drives after a warm up. I mean, come on, now, who's it in 60 drives in a session? A, that's going to take two hours and B, fatiguing, reacting. It's just so unrealistic. It, it's showing nothing. So then if you start reducing that number, you're now compromising what Lou's saying on the minimum amount of shots to see variance. So let's say you're hitting 20 with one, 20 with another, and then a 20 again with another one. Um, it's doable, but 20 drives is like, really? I mean, this is before you start getting into standard deviations of the human being themselves. I mean, it, someone with a relatively tight tolerance, I have a very tight tolerance generally on my driver, and so does Scott, I'm sure. We could probably find our patterns, Lou, I'll ask you this question, quicker than you who has a bigger variance, because there is going to be an element of... How many times do you want to see me and Scott hit the ball into a 20 yard circle short, long left and right? I mean, it just, it can just keep going in there for, for 200 shots or it can keep going in there for 20 shots. Like, what yeah, I think, here? I think that's def definitely fair. Um, I would understand your dispersion much quicker than I would understand my own dispersion. Um, and, and that is because, um, of, as you mentioned, variance and where a player like me, uh, you know, mid single digit ish, um, a player like me, and I'm a poor ball striker for a mid single digit ish handicap. Um, I could get in a groove where I stripe everything and my and my pattern looks like yours. Um, but I could also get into a groove where <laughs> my pattern doesn't look anything like yours. Uh, and so I need to hit enough shots to kind of capture all of the ups and downs I have with my golf swing and how my, you know, my body adjusts and my timing adjusts. And, and I just get into a, either a really good groove or a really bad funk. So I need to 
you know, for somebody like me, I, I definitely need way more than 30 to get a true understanding of my pattern. So would you hit, for, let's say you're getting your variance on a nine iron and this isn't a fitting now, this is you trying to get your variance. Are you going to hit 39 irons in a row? Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, if I if I'm a player and I'm serious about my game, and no, I no, wanna... sorry, you playing you now. You want to just go out. You're going to play next weekend. You know, let's take the casual golfer, like let's take the average golfer, and they want to work out their variance. Are they going to hit 39 irons in a row on their mat in their garden, for instance? Uh, no, no. Well, I would tell them to do that, but I would tell them to do that every day for you know, 10 days. What, 30 shots for 10 days or yeah, 30 over probably, 10 days? And, uh, no, I would probably say 30 shots a day. And I, I might, and 30 might be too much in a given day, depending on how you're doing it. And, yeah. and, and then you start to bring in the idea of alternating. Like, I don't know if I would hit the same seven iron over and over and over again. I might alternate and alternating might be, if, if I don't want to tire them out, it might be as simple as hit a seven iron, walk over to your putting mat and hit three putts walk back, hit another seven iron. I might have them do that instead of tiring themselves out, hitting a different club in between that's a different length and you know different everything. So I may do that with them, but if, if I'm a golfer and, and I want to really understand what my shot pattern is, I'm going to commit to that and I'm going to do it on a regular basis uh, in a lot of different situations. I'm going to track everything that happens and then i'm going to start to get a, a, a an accurate picture of what my shot pattern is with a given club if i think i can you know somebody like me or a 10 handicap thinks that they can they can sit down and hit 20 or 30 shots with a seven iron and understand what their shot pattern is that's just simply not going to happen well that's not true as well as in if you think about it obviously 20 or 30 shots and you've never played golf ever before yes that isn't the case but i can hit if i'm testing a club or uh i mean other players it doesn't have to be me you could hit seven shots and if that pattern just keeps coming out every time you hit seven shots over the next year then that pattern is the pattern, isn't it? So you can either do lots of little and see how often the pattern comes out, or you can well, do no, one big bump. I mean, th think of it like this, right? If, I'm, if I want to understand the probability of flipping heads on a coin, if I flip that coin five times, um, I could flip heads five times in a row or four out of five times. If I flip that yeah, coin- Yeah, but not over really, and over again. That's but, my point. I, I know right, what you're saying. So, so the point of if you a small sample size try, and using a small sample to understand your shot pattern, it, it may or may not work, right? It, it might be great. It might not be. You need to flip that coin way more than five times to understand. Yeah, I understand. That's not my point. That wasn't okay. my point. I'll, I'll ask it a different way then. Um, if I hit a nine iron 145 yards and I never deviate more than 12 yards away from the flag and I've repeated that test, I hit six balls for the next six years doing that every day and it's just the same pattern every time. How many times, how many years before you tell me to stop doing that test? I, I would, I mean, I would tell you to stop. If you did that every day and you did that six shots a day, I mean... Once you are 150 shots into it, 100 shots into yeah, it, uh, yeah. I would I would say 
Yeah, no, you, you, you're, we understand what your shot pattern is. And for somebody like me, um, once I get to a 150-ish shots, uh, 200 shots, somewhere in that range, I'm probably going to feel pretty comfortable about my pattern if yeah. I'm doing that over a number of sessions, right? If I go out and hit 205 irons in the garage right now, that's probably not going to be representative of my overall pattern. Um, just because for somebody like me that does not hit the ball like you guys do, like for somebody like me, um, I could be having a really good day or a really bad day. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't get a, a true representation of what my pattern looks like. Which is why you need the inferior. I need more. Data set. You yeah, need way absolutely. less. You, and yeah, I hate absolutely. you guys because of regardless, that. regardless, it, it, shot patterns are so big, seven or 10 balls that like, even if you perfectly spread them throughout your shot pattern to actually create your, what you know, just luckily you actually happen to create what your standard deviations are. It's just not enough shots to actually cover your shot pattern. Seven shots point, isn't, but seven shots repeated over a period of time is what I'm saying. So you do it, you end up hitting 700 shots, but you're doing yeah. it in, in small little intervals rather than going, I'm going to hit 450 today and the rest tomorrow. You're doing seven, seven, seven over somewhere along the way the, the the standard deviations stop moving and then that's pretty much your pattern it's like yeah, yeah. when we were tracking stats in the decade app at some point as we were building our key you know it doesn't matter if we add in another round or another thousand rounds the, the numbers just didn't move anymore because we finally have reached that's the number yeah and yeah, and then you absolutely. can stop yeah and 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 so on that like the standard deviation does stop moving but one of the things that i do when i'm looking at shot pattern is uh, i'm looking at different portions of 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 your shot pattern and the right side is generally shorter for a right-handed player than the left yeah. side is so yeah you, you know when you hit it left you've you've shut the face a little bit you've taken loft off it goes a little bit further when you hit it right it goes a little bit shorter and i want to get enough shots so and i and i split it up when i'm looking at that that, that north south standard deviation for a player i'm splitting it up and i'm not looking at all of their shots i'm looking at the right side of their pattern the middle of their pattern the left side yeah. of their pattern so i can understand um you know in a little bit more detail a little a little more granular what it really looks like for them so in answer to the person's question sorry i can't remember his twitter handle name there um well just give him a shout again what was his name can you I'm remember? give him a shout let me pull back up so it's two of them joshua pamplin and wheat bix golfer Great. So, I mean, it's good questions. I mean, basically it's 30 shots minimum, but you can't hit enough depending on your skill set is kind of the, is the snapshot. Well, I mean, because... you can't, you can hit enough. I mean, once you get to several hundred, it's, it's, it's going to kind of, it's going to smooth out and it's going to be what it's going to be. But to, to think you can hit 15 or 20 shots in a single session and understand your shot pattern, especially for most of the people listening to this podcast, they're amateur players like me that are don't hit the ball like you guys. You guys are both plus indexes. You're both very good players. Guys like us don't hit it like that. And we we have far more variance in our game. And and sometimes our variance is um, is is in grooves where we can go twenty or thirty shots and I can hit the ball great. 
Like if I take my, if I find a groove and I, I can go 20 shots and I can hit it as good as Scott um, over 20 shots, if I'm hitting it well, <laughs> I know he just, just snapped, looked at me. <laughs> I'm over here working I on Excel on the other monitor. All of a sudden I was like, what is, yeah. did I miss something? No, yeah. like I will take you down old man. But then. Well, the I next, am having surgery tomorrow. So that's my only chance. Your time. Yeah. So, th th but then I can go another 20 shots where you would look at me and you'd go, Ooh, what, what's it, what's going on here? Like yeah. what, so, what happened? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So some little tricks that I used to use when I was capturing data with amateurs as well, which may be, I'd like to know your opinions on this. I think it's quite interesting. If you've got to hit 30 shots minimum, let's say we're going to hit a good data capture set with a student. Obviously, I'm generally in an indoor bay, maybe you're hitting out onto a range where I used to work, where I did this mainly. Um, I would get them to aim into the left corner of the range, down the middle and into the right. So they start going across the lines of the bay. And what was interesting with amateurs is you would find there was a side often they didn't like because they would. So you give them the mat, they aim along the mat and their patterns just are their patterns. And you start working them out. You tell them to aim left corner of the range, which means they've got to aim left across the mat. They just can't see the line. You tell them to aim right and they can. So even little tricks like mixing up maybe where you're aiming or where your zero point is. So if you had a launch monitor, you could just literally twist it on the floor to aim it at the left side and the right side. There's so many ways of finding patterns that now might start to resemble some of the human patterns that they're adding, possibly. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things too, I want to point out kind of on this topic was um, if, you're, if you're hitting off of a mat, be careful um, when you're hitting off of a mat because your pattern off of a mat is going to be tighter than it is if you're hitting off of grass. And this was fascinating. So I did a 110-yard study uh, a while ago, maybe a year ago, and I had and over 200 people that that submitted info to me and, and they were doing this most of them almost all of them were doing this indoors and on off of a mat using a launch yeah. monitor anywhere from trackman or gc quad to skytrack was the the minimum quality launch monitor i wanted and scratch players um from a mat they were averaging 17 feet in proximity um, a PGA tour player from a hundred, this is from 110 yards. A PGA tour player is 19 feet, 10 inches. And then from the decade app, I can determine proximity for scratch players and off of grass from the fairway, they're 27 feet, seven inches off of a mat wow. scratch players. They went from 17 feet to 27 feet, seven inches. And that's because guys like me, even scratch players, like our ground contact uh, is not perfect. It's not great. It's not tour level by any stretch. And that mat, um, makes it so much easier to bounce something into the ball and still get pretty decent results. And it was amazing. And I don't have it in front of Lateral me. Lateral versus distance deviation would be interesting there. And, and no, the so the distance deviation was incredible. It was so much tighter north south um, because you, when you hit an it's inch a clean behind, strike, it's a dry strike. So you've a, got yeah, less variable. You, you're just when you removing hit, a variable. Yeah, when you hit an inch behind it on the grass, that 110 yard shot's 
going to go 90. You don't even have to do it an inch behind it. You could right. have two perfect contacts on the grass, subject to the grass you're hitting on. And you're um, what gets stuck between the ball and the face, you're out of control with. That's nothing to do with you. That's a variance that makes golf so great. Outside For sure. Really That's what I'm saying. Why it'd be, it would be cool to see in the 17 to 27 foot thing how much of that was lateral versus distance. Change. It's got to be like, predominantly north and south. Oh, no doubt. But I mean, like, what what amount? Because that's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was. It and was, the other was... thing to remember with that as well is that, like, if you test wedges on a mat, they generally swing uh, can spin more than on the grass. Where if you test seven irons on a mat, they will generally spin less than on the grass. Um, so you, it's not even one pattern fits all with all of those as well. Oh, that's so interesting. It's, it's interesting. I, I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know that. So is Slip that a why... grip? Slip and really? grip. If you, yeah, if you imagine a, a straight face club, it, it's rebounding. There's no slip and grip. It's just so banging off. So as soon as that... you, as soon as there's more deflection in the hit, there's more chance of that ball slipping completely, gripping completely, or having a mixture of slip and grip. And then you've got three very different uh, spin rates, which would make it go different distances. Where a seven iron has that element, but less because it's straightening up. The face is straightening up. So a good fitter would work all this in. I mean, I used to work this into students when I practiced, you know, when I worked with them, it's something I would work, always work in. It's, it's just. But so how, how do you do? Cause this is interesting. Cause again, like I'm like thinking of a decent player. And two years ago when I qualified for the Texas Sam, I've been playing these awful secondhand clubs that I bought whenever I quit playing professionally. Cause I just wanted something easy. And I, I was like, well, I only got two months till the state am. I don't care. I'm going to go into club champ and I'm going to pay five thousand dollars for a set of clubs because i want them now yeah and even when i was in there it's like this fitting seems like it's really stupid how oh, how do you do it then i I'm, i mean i was really shocked at what i how, would consider how do you fit is that yeah. what you're asking well oh. we're we gonna turn this into that 50 minute podcast yeah i'm let's not go there all right i think i mean i'm fittings and their selling tools predominantly of the time fittings should be lessons they shouldn't be a selling process in my opinion i've said this for years on my videos uh I, when people used to come for fits when i first started reviewing clubs i had people come from different countries to get fit with me and i stopped it straight away i told everyone to call all my sessions a lesson i don't do fits i'll help you get a better piece We're of equipment get to the right club, if you but... come to me for a lesson uh scott or lou and you're using a 12 degree driver, for instance, and I can give you a 10 degree driver and instantly we get better dispersion, longer, straighter. What? I'm a coach. Why would I not do that? I've just made you better by switching the club. It's like, like a, a coach, in my opinion, should be a fitter as well as it's the same thing. But if you look at the numbers that Lou's saying when it comes to trying to find variants in shot pattern, if you think about testing new clubs, you're doing exactly the same thing. You're, you're testing variants of shot patterns, or you should be. Um, a fitting, if you wanted to do a fitting, I mean, they should be a week long minimum. I mean, this is before, okay, this is before you hit a seven iron in your fitting. And then all of a sudden, well, I have a five iron that shapes left to right and I have a nine iron that I draw generally, you know, so my shot pattern with my nine iron is straight to left and my shot pattern with my five iron is straight to slightly to the right. Yet you're going to make the lie of these clubs all exactly the same. You've not discussed to me if I want to change that variance. Like, I mean, a, uh, one of the club builders once said to me of a company I work with, we should be fitting irons individually, but we just, you can't afford it. Fitting's, oh, that's so I should be fitting your oh. nine iron and I should be fitting your eight, but you probably wouldn't. You'd probably fit 
99795. You'd find where the pattern starts to fall off. Really interesting point. If you do, I used to call it the tree of death, right? So if you ever did gap testing with students, <laughs> it was so funny because they just branch out. Wedges all down the middle, nine irons, nice, eight irons, seven irons. And there's a point where their tree just starts to branch out like this because they just start flaring it left and so right. So that sounds around six iron-ish. That sound, what you just brought up there about fitting irons individually sounds like an argument for Mr. DeChambeau's single length clubs. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all new, better than ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all new nitrogen infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 he's someone who is fitting, in effect, his clubs. I mean, I bet you he's really looking deeply at each one of his clubs and what that I mean, most tour pros do. They do fit their irons individually. I've been on tour ranges yeah. where people are swapping out four but, irons. But, but yeah, cutting. but... You know, he, guys they, like they, me, we don't have access to fit each club individually. You're but paying Bri enough Bryson, money for clubs. You're paying but, enough money but, for clubs. You, you know, should demand that. But we can, like, so with the with the concept of single length irons, every club is the same length and the same lie. And so if you if you find the for that length the lie that works for you, then essentially you're you're, you're solving that problem of each iron needs to be fit individually. That problem goes away. And part of my bag no, it is single. It doesn't. Sure, sure, it does. No, it doesn't. No, no you're doesn't. missing the point that Mark's making about it. Because what happens is I have a five-yard cut with my five-iron and a natural five-yard draw with my nine-iron. Now, I play that pattern, and I'm happy, but some people might want not want to see the five-yard cut with their five-iron, so they get that one more upright than the nine-iron. They don't have them the same, lies, Lou. They manipulate them. They're fitting each club individually to hit the shot they want to see with each club. I'm oh, Sorry, I've had tour pros say, look, I'm hitting fades from a four-iron, I hate it. I want to see my little draw in the truck. They go upright, test that. Yeah, that's better. Thanks. That really? comes nowhere but near like, lying like the others. It I've seen in, the in, in spec with them because they all change, obviously. It's now completely out of guilt, but it's a fitting tool. Seeing the other side of it, though, because a lot of the reason that that draw and fade pattern works with irons is because of ball position. Going to a single length iron would, in theory, neutralize that to where angle of attack would be the same with every club i assume i honestly don't even know I, I think it's funny because when people talk about like that are negative on the single length i'm like shit makes sense on paper and they're like mm. i can't imagine having a, a 60 degree that's the length of a seven and like that's because you've never hit it but if that's all you've ever known i i don't yeah. think it's that unreasonable of an idea the one thing i'll say whenever i first walked to practice around with bryson in uh in, in amateur golf at the the pat coast am i think it was and his three iron literally looked like a putter. I mean, it was yeah. about two inches longer than putter with no loft. And I'm like, dude, this thing ain't going to work on tour. You're going to need a hybrid yeah. or a seven wood or something. So the general is, rule with single length as well, Lou and Scott, is that the lower lofted clubs don't go high enough. Yeah. Because I mean, you reduce the length of the club. Your average Joe can't swing it fast enough. Now you've got a five iron launching no height and it goes no further than a six iron. Yeah. Like single length clubs for the majority of your average golfers are the biggest no-no. I, I have, I, part of my you bag is speed, single length. So, 
Yeah, is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Three hybrid, four hybrid, um, five iron, and six iron are single length. And then from seven iron, yours are? Yeah, and then from seven iron down, I'm you know I'm standard length, and and they what are they the length of? Like the five iron or the six iron? Uh, the seven, seven iron. iron. Yeah, seven length iron of the then. seven iron. Yep. Cool. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, without upsetting too many people, I do think fitting... I mean, I literally posted a tweet either today or recently saying, are we actually testing anything or are we fitting anything or are we just being golfed? Um, it's very easy to see a fitting as a selling tool. People aren't testing each clubs individually, which is a mistake. And if you start looking at the actual numbers to try and create meaningful shot patterns certainly on people with larger standard deviations or deviations in their or bigger variants in their shot pattern you do need to start going into huge amounts of shot uh, collected um probably to find out what you found out earlier on as well is that golf's pretty hard <laughs> sure for sure so i want to i want to bring this back to me because i'm trying to make this whole yeah. podcast about me becoming yeah. a non-bad golfer i might change um, the title of it to the, the, the lou is hacking out golf ex exactly <laughs> lou is a hack yeah. so um should i think about moving away from single length irons like in well, your opinion well, this is where you need to send me X yeah. amount of shots with each club. And I'll tell you if the lofts are working for you to get the right distance. The biggest trade-off I find, this is an interesting point for people. I've said it in videos for a lot. I've chested cavities to blades just on massive data sets. I've done, again, I did it over lockdown. I did it recently. Uh, I did it swinging left-handed. My handicap left-handed is anywhere between 15 and 20. Because I did it right-handed and lots of people were like, that's an amazing test. Cavities for blades look at the difference and it was really small the difference was tiny um and they, then you get the people say oh that's because you're a good hitter you get an amateur to hit them well i couldn't get an amateur to hit them so i did it left-handed because i'm a 15 20 handicapper left-handed and guess what the difference was next to nothing it was really small the biggest difference is that when you tend to go to game helping clubs is they reduce loft and the trouble is if you reduce loft as soon as i reach my peak launch to speed I start yeah. actually losing distance. So what I found That's... with people who don't swing as fast, again, this is why you should get each club fitted individually, is that I tested two seven irons, a really strong cavity back seven iron and a bladed seven iron. And the bladed seven iron went further because as a left-hander, I was only swinging at whatever speed with the seven iron, you know, like 75, 80 miles, not very fast. Because the loft wasn't enough, I lost launch and the ball just didn't go as far. Well, it went the same distance, but it was producing, it was delivering like three degrees less dynamic lofts, which is, this is the other thing. When you do gap testing with amateurs, what you see, this is why you should get fitted individually for each club, is you not only get the tree of doom, so it spreads <laughs> from the start to spreading at the top. It's so funny. Like when you got one who starts spreading at an eight iron, you think this is going to be a long gap test because I need a lot of eight iron, seven iron, six irons to get any variance here. Um, but you also see the bunching up. Often it, you not only get the tree of doom, it's stunted tree until they get the ball on the tee because as soon as they start losing launch because they've got a, a six iron that they can't get airborne, a five iron and a four iron, they all start going the same distance. They all start going 150, 160. And that's the answer to Lou's question. Should he not be playing single length irons? It is maybe. And once you're going through the bag, once you aren't getting at least about probably 12 to maybe 15 yards between clubs, you have now, whether you've got a launch monitor or not, you now you're it, no, it's officially not working anymore. If you're not getting at least 10 or 12 clubs. And that's honestly, it's amazing how even with good players, how often, We'll go through the bag with them. And, I, and I'm like, how far do you hit your five iron? 
210. How about your foreign? 220. Why the hell do you have both of them? Let's get rid of one of them and add something else in there. So I start with a hybrid. People who know my videos, I've got a hybrid as a six iron. So I, I'm swinging a driver at like 111 to 115. I'm hitting a seven iron, 170 yards through the air. And my six iron turns into a hybrid. And my six iron can go 185 to 211. It's as good as a wedge. I use it like a wedge. And then what <laughs> happens is I just load the top of the bag up. I just load it up. That's a different podcast. We'll do one because I do think people get their bags wrong as well. People are very bottom heavy because they've been sold wedges from wedge companies for so long. Um, they end up having four wedges because like good players have loads of wedges. But actually, there's a great argument to say you should load the top of your bag up because generally when I test with students, if you get them within 100 yards, they can hit eight irons, nine irons, wedges. They're 52, they're 56. They can hit any number I call out with about three or four clubs. When you start getting 200 yards plus, they often don't have a club to hit that distance and they certainly don't have two or three to help them out at that end. And that's what I've done with my bag. I've made my top end give me loads of options because that's the bit that's the hardest. You get me 100 yards in, it's actually not that difficult as we yeah. know from, um, you know, um, how far people hit the ball from those distances. But yeah, it's an interesting one. So in answer to their point then, Lou, I mean, they need to hit more shots subject to their... Um, abilities and there's lots of patterns that they can see in there isn't there like you say it's not only looking at the variance it's looking at how short right a short right one is if you're a right-handed golfer and how long left a long left one is it's it's and it's working with people like yourself i mean i do stuff where you know you've got a home launch monitor you can send that data to me and i can run it through systems and give you some reports back and stuff like that and mm -hmm. i know i think pretty sure you guys or lou you've been known to do something like that haven't you yeah, and I think one of the biggest takeaways is is not just using that type of information to understand your shot pattern and your dispersion, but but also using it to uh, gauge your progression and yeah. seeing how you're getting better and how you're improving. Golf is ultimately about hitting it at the at the target you're aiming at, right? And and if you're continuing to um, gauge how well you are at at hitting that target when you're practicing and you continue to track and keep that uh, over time, you'll see if you're getting better or getting worse. Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff. There you go. Thank you guys. It's always an interesting chat. Always. And just wanted to uh, say to Scott, good luck tomorrow. Oh, he gets his, you. he gets his elbow fixed. So a fixed elbow. He should be able to beat you with that nine, nine dispersion. Then yeah. after he's done that, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years of constant tennis elbow comes to an end tomorrow. Oh, Although my had, sports my sports psychiatrist did a great job of giving you a headshot yesterday. He's like, well, did you ask him about the chances of you not being able to play after it? I'm like, no. Is that a, <laughs> I was like, the guy knows I want to try to play on the Champions Tour. Martin <laughs> yeah. Flores from the PJ Tour recommended me to him. I I assumed that was understood. So Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope you are back playing. Yes. How long are you off for? Uh, it's going to be about a two or three month uh, recovery, is recovery, it? Recovery, yeah. Oh, God. Good luck with that, indeed. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, remember, subscribe to the podcast. You get the podcast before um, other people if you do that, and you won't miss another episode. Um, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll speak to you soon.